insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Saraland, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I've never been better. Dude, we did it. We <laughs> made it. Guys, I am sitting. Uh, Joe Rogan needs to. Hey, Joe Rogan, if you're listening to this, and I know you are, I know you are, Joe, you need to get down to Mobile, Alabama and see this podcast set up. Bradley Flowers and his team. And before we get started, Bradley, I want to thank our videographers and, and photographers that are here today, Rand and Brandon. Thank you guys so much so much for being a part of this we've been here since like seven or eight o'clock this morning well, getting all this together and it's not just seven o'clock this morning it's yeah, all the yeah, setup yeah. that happened before this i mean uh-huh. guys that's the th- third time rand has been here. here here's what i told bradley flowers when i walked in today i said for me this is no big deal i'm used to this kind of stuff but if i was a local business that decided to you know hey bradley can we yeah. come by and do a podcast at your studio <laughs> this would be intimidating yeah, you've got uh, one, two, three, four regular cameras. Correct. And a, you want to go into this one, this please, other one here please, we have here real quick. It. So, yeah. about three weeks ago, Scott sent me a video I did. of one of Scott's, you want to say, heroes or idols or favorite uh, comedians. Just a guy that I, uh, a guy that I enjoy listening to on his podcast. Bert, Bert Kreischer. Yep. And he was giving an example of, he said podcast and he was specifically referring to joe rogan but his podcast should have a virtual reality camera that sits on the desk or sits in a chair in the studio so people can put like an oculus headset on sure or even you can even do it from your cell phone it's just not quite as cool and feel like they're in the studio and not that anyone would necessarily want to be in the studio with us but Scott sent me that video, and he said, get to work. That's all I said. And he get knows I like, I love being the first to do things, yes. right? So I got to work, and I found that the camera we needed cost $4,700 Nice. in order to do this correctly. So obviously, I'm not spending $4,700 on a camera that may or may not accomplish what we want to accomplish. So uh, I rented it for a mere $200, and we're definitely the first insurance podcast that is broadcasted in virtual reality. So if you have an Oculus headset, virtual reality headset, this is live right now, but you can actually go watch it after the fact. There's going to be some parts of it that aren't great. Sure. But it is definitely the first insurance podcast broadcasted in virtual reality and maybe one of the first podcasts in virtual reality. So if you have an Oculus headset or you can do it on your cell phone, on YouTube, uh, insurance guys. Huge step out right here, Bradley. For sure. I think we are the very first podcast in america maybe to be in virtual reality i, I meant to look and see if there was any others but I don't hey know. hey i got a message right now for mr burt kreischer burt if you're watching listening to this right now wherever you are in the world don't talk about it be about it mm-hmm. you shouldn't have mentioned it on two bears in one cave you mentioned it and now it's done That's here right. right here guys we've got a very special podcast for you guys you know i drove 
five and a half hours yesterday down to Mobile, and you just cannot get to Mobile from Huntsville, Alabama. It's like driving to the moon, basically. But I had a lot of time on my hands, and I thought a lot about our podcast and where we started and where we are today. Guys, it's kind of serendipitous because we're in the building that we started in. Correct, correct. One of the things I thought about is our mission statement of this podcast that I think about quite often, and that is to help you agents any way we can and deliver value to you guys. And as I always like to say, if I can just give you one or two things that you can turn the podcast off and maybe implement in your office or try, okay, and it may be that thing is the thing that takes you from $8 million in premium to $20 million in premium. And because as Mike Stromso, my friend Mike always says, big doors swing on little hinges. Mm -hmm. And it's usually not huge changes, but those small, tiny little incremental changes that will change the whole velocity and the whole course of your agency. And we've got somebody on this podcast. Bradley, we talked about it right before we came on the show today. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you heard me talk about this earlier. I texted Bradley from the hotel down here in Mobile last night at 9.45-ish, 9.30, and I said, I am so excited to have Avery Johnson Moore on this podcast today because one thing I know for sure, just from the small time I spent with her a couple years ago and then uh, reading and, and looking at her stuff last night online and her biography and things like that, she can help these insurance agents. There's, and I'm There's certain guests that you yep. know based yep. on their pedigree and the things yep. they've been through and the way they operate their agency. You know that it's going to be an episode. Like, like there's certain episodes that we, we post and everything we do is good. Right. And you're like, oh, that was a good episode, right? And there's some similar to the one we did a few years ago about what we pay our people commission-wise. Right, right. We knew when we got done with that episode that it was going to be a good episode. And it's still, to this day, one of our top-performing episodes. Correct. This is one that I feel that way based on the information we're going to talk about. There's certain ones that you know people are going to be helped. thousand percent. And without further ado, guys, I want to give her the introduction, not only that she deserves, but I just feel like there's probably not been many people in the 260 give or take episodes that we've done that deserves to be on this podcast any more than she does. And I mean that. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, she was born, raised, and lives in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. She is married to the ruggedly handsome Michael, and they have one beautiful baby Bernadoodle dog. I love those dogs so much, named Archie. Oklahoma Agent of the Year. She started her insurance career at a young age, doing odd jobs at her family's agency, where she's learned the value of hard work and saw the opportunity to make a difference. And here's something I want everybody to know about her. When I saw this last night, it jumped off the page at me. Started out as a receptionist. Love that. And I have story after story of successful agents that started out as a receptionist, learning how to count money, learning how to go take the deposit to the bank. Those people, to me, have a great story. There's a lot of successful agents that don't go that route, but it's a good metric to gauge success if somebody starts there and works their way up and knows every part of the business. Exactly. That's a, you know, 
being dangerous in every single department, right. knowing enough to be dangerous, right. is a really good spot to be in as a leader. Absolutely. She's the third generation to take over the family business. She took on the role of Director of Business Development for ECI Insurance in 2014. While in that role, she was able to help double the size of the agency. And in her nearly 10 years of experience, she has helped develop an online marketing program, which was named number one insurance website in the nation. She's built a profitable book of business through relationships and hard work. My God, preach, sister. And is an advocate for preaching to the next generation how great the insurance industry is. In 2021, she purchased the family agency and has become the third generation to continue their legacy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, and I can promise you it will not be her last. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Miss Avery Johnson Moore. How are you, Avery? I'm good. My goodness, that intro, you could make a girl tear up. Well, I'm not trying to. There were so many other things I wanted to say on there. Billy Williams talks about when you hire people and they send you a resume, you can see that resume of success through somebody's life. And you have accomplished so much in your life. I mean, I left off some things. Like, I was reading this over and over last night. I probably read this three times. I know it didn't seem like it during the intro because I have sunglasses on and I can – if I don't have my reading glasses on, I have a hard time seeing. So it's it's I was kind of not my normal introduction. But last night it jumped off the page at me. In her personal life, she used to compete in bodybuilding competitions. Well, what does that take? Mm. It takes a level of discipline that most people don't have mm-hmm. to compete in, in bodybuilding competitions. That's the first thing. They're determination. Just, determination. Hard work, grit, those types of things. There was a lot of that stuff on your biography last night. And I said to myself, well, here's a person that has a resume of success. Well, and y'all said it, the term grit. I just feel like grit is the key to everything. If you've got that grit factor, there's not a single thing you can't do. And and by the way, I didn't even get into all your accolades in the insurance business. Guys, let me just blow through this real quick. No. (laughs) Young Guns Guns 2017, Oklahoma Young Agent of the Year 2018, Oklahoma 30 Under 30 2018, Oklahoma Agent of the Year 2021, Oklahoma Best Medium Agency of the Year 2022. I could keep going. I'm not going to. Avery, we've got so much to talk about today, and there's so much that I want you to – Talk to these agents, the 36,000 independent agents and the fifty to 60,000 captive agents that are out there today. I want you to, to speak from your heart today, and maybe you and I both start crying before this thing's over with. <laughs> Good God, don't do that. I normally ask people to go back, and, I, and, and let's just do that. Go back for just a minute. Hop in the DeLorean. Hop in my DeLorean with me, and I'll even let you drive. Talk about your growth from going from being a 10, 12-year-old kid working in the family business and and kind of bring us up to today. But then when you finish that, can you get into kind of some of the uh, the big challenge, the big thing that happened here not too long ago that you've had to overcome? Yeah, of course. 
So I think I have a story pretty similar to a lot of insurance kids that you meet at any conference or event, family owned, family operated. And so I can remember being four or five. And this was back when offices were not paperless that um, they got some really great free child labor, but we would just go and spend days shredding papers. And like our payment was a pop or Coke, if you're in the North, whatever you call it. And I was like, that's awesome. And like, what's a pop? Pepper. Yeah, a pop. Yeah. And like, that was what I remember doing. My, we would spend time with my grandpa. Like I still smell that old agency smell. Um, I also think how wild it is, how far our agency has come, because we would come in after school being maybe eight, nine or 10 and answer phones for them. Like, I cannot imagine what our customers thought hearing like a kid answering the phone, but like, that's how desperate we were for help. And you smell like the manila up. folder and stuff and the, the ink yeah, from the yeah. carbon paper and the typewriters and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, it was like this brown shag carpet. Like I, I just good times, good times. And I, um, we kept all our customers and obviously grew. Um, but I started doing that. And after working there, I just swore like so many others, I would never get into insurance. And I got done with school and said I was going to get out of Oklahoma. And I did get out of Oklahoma. And as soon as I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, the only thing that I wanted to do was get back. Um, and so didn't stay in Kentucky too long and came back and started working at actually a mega agency here in Oklahoma city. And I started at the bottom. I was the receptionist. And so, mm. you know, in mega agencies, culture is not probably their biggest thing. And so I got to see a lot of things that I didn't like as far as a culture perspective and not to say they gave me a great opportunity. The person that runs it, I still have all the respect in the world for him. But I also got to see how corporate structures like that do systems really well. And you can live and die by a system. It can kill your business or it can make it succeed. And so I got to learn how we did all that. And so I worked there for a little bit and basically took all those systems and we took it to the family agency and decided to take it to the next level. So I've done personal line CSR, I've done commercial line CSR, and then I got to go to producer and I ended up doing producer for just about 10 years um, before I bought the agency last year. Um, and so you can see like, it's not a perfect straight line. Everything I thought that my life would be, it definitely turned out very much different. And joke's on me, right? I ended up in insurance uh, and it's a great job and I love it so much that I try to get anyone I can into it. It's kind of like drinking the Kool-Aid. One thing I um, want to point out, and, and I don't know if you had a good experience or a bad experience at the big agency, but there's this general in Twitter culture now, in TikTok culture, there's this general disdain for the corporate world, right? And, and a lot of it is deserved. But I tend to, to sense the attitude, especially amongst younger people, of if they're in a bad situation, it's just everything's bad, right? When in reality, there's always something you can learn even oh, in a bad situation. So I don't know if when you look back at that big agency, do you look at it's mostly negative or mostly positive, but I want to point out that even though there was some bad things there culture-wise, or maybe not bad, but you know, mega agencies aren't great at culture, you picked up on the good part, which is the processes and systems. I would love to spend two years in a mega agency sure. if I didn't have to waste two years. And, right? and, and, yeah. and, 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 and by the way, guys, and I don't mean to interrupt you, I was listening to Mark Cuban on a podcast this morning and the whole three or four minutes I was listening to it, he was, ha he was having this discussion 
about before he became an entrepreneur, he worked for some big corporations, big mm-hmm. a couple of big companies, and he said, what I tried to do was take all the bad stuff that I learned there and not do it when I became an mm-hmm. entrepreneur. I said that about my first manager. Yeah. My first insurance manager, like I learned exactly how not to treat people, how not to manage people if you wanted to get the best out of them. Right. And so let's not do that now, right? So Avery, I've been thinking a lot about this in the shower the last two or three weeks, and I'm going to throw this on you real quick, okay? (laughs) Here's what I think. Bradley, y'all tell me if I'm wrong. Most of the time I am. I was driving down the road the other day. I was in somewhere between Athens, Alabama and Pine Ridge, Alabama in the middle of freaking nowhere. And I started, ha- I started thinking about this. In my opinion, the insurance industry for millennials, kids in college, kids in high school, the kids that are, let's say, under the age of 25, 16 to 25 years old is not sexy at all. Not at all. Right? You cannot go to your friend's keg party in downtown Nashville with two or 300 kids there, and they say, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm an insurance agent. Oh, okay. I feel like the insurance industry in and of itself is such a tremendous opportunity for young people. Uh, I openly tell Bradley Flowers to his face, we'll do it again right here, how jealous i am of him you see guys i'm 50 years old bradley you're 35 i think i'm 34 34 i think i turned 34 this year okay i stopped counting at 30 30. yeah i understand yeah 34 years old do you guys realize how much more time bradley flowers has on me to develop and grow his agency and leave a legacy not only to his kids but his grandkids and he's going to do that i've told him before i'd bet every dollar i have on his success he's going but to be successful i look at people who are in their 20s running agencies and i think the same thing right right, right. i'm like god i would trade places with with her <laughs> yeah. in a so, heartbeat so to to give you some context bradley i started my career day number one in insurance did not know shit from shampoo 35 years old mm. Okay, so think about where you are today, where your agency is today, and imagine waiting one more year to even get started. Mm -hmm. That's that's the difference between you and I. That's perspective, Uh, really. So let me let me finish by saying this: I feel like for kids, the insurance industry is a lot like that hot girl in high school. The hot girl in high school, guys. Always dates the football player who's usually a shithead. She always dates, she wants to date the bad boy that's wearing the leather, Leatherman's jacket and smokes cigarette. Maybe smokes a little pot. Drives the Camaro. He's driving the Camaro. You know, he's the cool kid in school that everybody likes. And that's the guy that she's going to date. She doesn't want to date the guy that's making straight A's and, gonna be you know, going to be successful and he's a little bit of a dork, you know, maybe. But guess what happens when she gets about 30 and she's had about one or two divorces? Yeah. Guess who she's dating? And I feel like the insurance industry is a lot like that. I would that. agree with that. With young That's people. Really yeah. It's like they want to go out and I want to be this and I want to be that and I want to have the cool job that everybody, you know, when I go to the keg party or I go to go to a bar, I say, well, you know, I'll work on Wall Street. I'm, a, yeah. I'm an assistant stockbroker. Well, I have this theory that 
the most lucrative businesses are the least sexy. Correct. Every yeah. and, and the reason why is not that the sexier industries are less lucrative per se. Right. On a one to one level, mm. on an apples to apples basis. Sure. But everybody flocks to those industries. Right. Therefore it dilutes Correct. those industries versus something like insurance, which is boring as heck. Everybody right. hates insurance. I hate insurance. Right. My customers will call me and say, man, I hate dealing with insurance. So you know what I do too. Right. That's why we right. exist. Right. And so Warren Buffett does mm-hmm. what he actually does. What the actual job is, is not sexy at all. No, no. So I have this, this working theory that if you want to make a lot of money, go to businesses that are super, super not attractive on right. the surface. Right. And then when you get in them, you realize they are very exciting. They are very sexy. There's a lot of interesting things that go, I mean, go turn on David Carruthers, the protege, which is the first insurance reality show. It is. There's another one out there claiming to be the first. It's not the first. And it's exciting. It's interesting. Right. So Bradley always, let me tell you how to make it exciting for all you young people that are listening to this right now. Bradley Flowers is the one that came up with this. I did not come up with this. You have to play the game of business. Mm Mm-hmm in the insurance industry. If you'll play the game of business and think about it almost like a college football game. There's four quarters in your life, okay? And play the game of insurance and of business and that almost, you know, Jedi mind screws yourself into into it's, making it exciting. It's the vehicle that fuels everything. Correct. Right? Like Correct. My friends who are not in insurance have many of them here, some of which you've met that are in marketing and advertising mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, you know, insurance is just your first stop. You're going to, I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, this is, this is what you don't understand right. is like, I'm a businessman. The insurance is just what fuels it's a, that. It's a vehicle. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what fuels the other. Because what you have actually tweeted this morning a thread of three pieces of advice that I give people when they're running multiple businesses. Shit, I need to look at that. And these are just things that I've come across. And one of those is I tell a brief story of a company that I was an equity owner in, large percentage, that I actually gave up my equity uh, for a lot of reasons. One being my heart wasn't in it anymore, but I realized that that particular business, that particular industry does not have residual income. Mm. And mm. every other business I had been in that had been successful or been a part of involved residual income. And as soon as I kind of realized that now every single other project that I'm involved in, I think even that you're involved in too involves residual income, which is mm-hmm. the way to go. Correct. That's everything. I say it all the time, Avery, the money in the insurance industry is not in new business. The money in the insurance industry is figuring out how to keep it from leaking out the back door It's renewals. Yeah. You know, when you sit there and you write that home and two autos and umbrella and life insurance policy, and you look at that first year commission, you think, "Eh, I mean, it's it's a little bit of money, but it's not a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, take that and multiply it times 10. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Avery, I want to go ahead and get into your story now. And this is the part where I'm probably going to start crying. It's okay. I'm a big old boy, but uh, when people know me and get to know me, they understand how emotional i am hey before you do that let's give a shout out to aaron robertson who is watching in virtual reality now he just hey what's me. up aaron Robertson? hey yeah man that's awesome 
thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate you, brother. I love you so Aaron much. Is our, Aaron's our tester. Yeah. I told is. him to bring his Oculus to the office. That way he could test it right, out. Right. So. Avery, let's get into your story real quick, okay? Yeah. I want to hear the story of what's happened, the tragedy. I believe it's a tragedy. I haven't heard the full story yet. I've just gotten the cliff notes. Talk a little bit about what happened, how you've overcome it, how you've dealt with it. And like you said earlier, and it's tattooed on the back of my, I believe my left arm, the word grit, G-R-I-T. Mm. Talk a little bit about that for our audience. Yeah. Well, Scott, if you start crying today, that's okay. Cause, um, Bradley, I heard you say you didn't like tears. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about loss. Um, we'll talk about navigating family and just a little bit of the pain that I went through that hopefully can teach you something so you never have to go through it. But the flip side of that is that the person that I lost today is actually his birthday. Mm. Oh, wow. You so immediately after this, yeah, immediately after this, I get to go with uh, my mom, who was his um, sister, and it was one of our best friends in the world. And we're going to go eat at Rib Crib, which I don't like barbecue, but we will go do it for someone that I love this much. So, so this is your, yeah. un- is this your uncle? It was my uncle. Yeah. He was a great man, man. He was cool. Bradley, you were talking about you're doing business and insurance is the vehicle that gets you. His was the same philosophy. And so to have a mentor like that, he actually worked at golf USA, most of his career in retail. And so he basically brought a retail mindset to the insurance industry and man, it just skyrocketed everything that we did. And you talk about people that you surround yourself with. He was a dreamer. He was a grower. He would, he was a doer. It was all those things that I got to wake up and we had breakfast every single Monday morning. Mm. And we started off the week. Basically I get to learn off someone that was so incredibly valuable to my life. But I think you can figure out a little bit that he is no longer with us. And that makes me really sad. Um, And so as I talk through the story, sometimes it's going to come across a little bit numb or as we're talking about numbers, but that's never my intention. And so I always want to put that out there because I'm not the first person to go through this in the family business and I'm not the last. And even though you're sitting here negotiating businesses, it's very compartmentalized. And Mm -hmm. I've told this story more than a couple of times at this. So remember that because it's real people's feelings and emotions and grief is going on in the middle of this. So Use your imagination for me one second. What if one day you woke up and everything was fine and the next day you woke up and you were told at 32 years old that you were going to have to figure out how to borrow millions of dollars, not like 1 million, not like 2 million, like millions of dollars. And we're pretty good financially, but I just remember at that moment being like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I had been working there for 10 years. It is my family's agency. All the work that I had put in for the past years, was that just going to go down the drain? I had 14 families that were sitting there wondering what was going to happen. Everyone is selfish by nature. And so, of course, I would imagine that they were sitting there saying, well, what's going to happen to me? And I was on the backside saying, what's going to happen to you as well? And then on the flip side of it, too, we live in a little um, suburban town right outside of Oklahoma City. And what would happen if one of the largest businesses in the small committee or community was to go down and mm-hmm. it was one of the largest employers? What was I going to do? How would you feel? And what would you do in this situation? So I'll tell you a little bit about what I did. Um, but before that, one of the biggest things I had always had in the big of my head, which Bradley, Scott, like y'all have the same thing. I work with 
a ton of really successful business people. And so part of what I've always wanted to do is like, how do I learn? Because you are so successful. I want to be that way too. And so I had started pretty early off in my career asking them to go to lunch so I could just grill them on the best business lessons that they had learned. And I did it with a lot of people. And one of them I did with, he is just an amazing business person. He owns a um, worldwide company that does staffing. And I just think the world of him. And so I had taken him to business and I had said, Bob, what's the hardest lesson you've ever had to learn in business? And he said, I went into a partnership that I shouldn't have. Mm. And, and that struck a chord with me. And he went on to basically say, I thought I couldn't do it alone at the time. Um, but turns out I could have. And so as I started taking more and more people to lunch, I got a lot of that same thing. And it was kind of an eye opener, especially I think I was like in my 20s in the time of being like, you can always work something out with everyone. I grew up in a family with two sisters and we would literally, they would say the meanest, most hateful thing to my face. And then we would be sharing Skittles like five minutes later. So like in my world, conflict and working through problems is just a very normal thing. But I have now realized that that is not normal for everyone. And that conflict is not necessarily a core value for everyone. Mm. Like I said, his name was Scott as well. His name was Scott Cornelius and happy birthday today, Scott. I had three mentors in my life and one was Scott. And one is my mom who had worked at the family agency, but now runs the big eye in Oklahoma. And then the other was my business coach um, who I get to pay a lot of money, but she teaches me a lot of wisdom. So I don't have to learn it on the back end. And so about our agency too, we, now I have 15 employees at the time there were 13, not including Scott himself. And we had always known that I was going to take it over and um, my cousin worked at it. Scott's son worked at it at the time. We always knew we were going to take over the agency. It was always said out loud. It was kind of a joke. And it was this long 10, 15 year plan, but there was nothing in writing. Mm. And so my business coach, I go to an executive women's group with them to where you present a problem. And I was presenting my problem for that month. And I thought my problem was something very different. And by the end of it, I had 15 very wise women who were older, who ran businesses look around me and say, that's not your problem, Avery. Your problem is that you don't have a buy-sell agreement guaranteeing you anything. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I had ever heard the term first right of refusal. It was the term I had ever heard um, a buy-sell agreement. It was basically everything that I had never known in my life that I needed to protect what I've been working for. And so I think that was about 2017 whenever I first heard it. And so you talk about grit. You also talk about guts. Sometimes hard conversations have to take five seconds of guts of just getting it out there. And so I think I went to approach it with my uncle then, and it went really, really bad. Mm. And so I can sit here now owning my agency. If someone came to me and basically like, I want you to write in writing that I get this. I've got... No less than 5,000 agents listening to this right now. And it's something that I talk a lot about. Mm -hmm. If you don't have it in writing, you ain't got shit. We get that call a lot. A lot. That's, I'm working at this agency and I'm going to own it had one, one day. Ca had one call me last week about it. And we get a lot of, I'm going to approach the owner and it doesn't go so well. So the reason I wanted to stop, Avery... And this is going to be a tough conversation, but I'm a tough conversation guy. I have them every mm. single day. And I tell a lot of people things they don't want to hear. You loved your uncle. That is very apparent. But, and I already kind of know how this conversation went. 
because I've had it, I've seen it, I've done it, I've been there, done that. I've been on both got sides the, of it. Got the T-shirt, been to the rodeo, seen the clowns. Talk a little bit about why it was so not good, what his mentality was, because I already know what his mentality was. Just kind of go through that for a minute. So I want these people to hear this because this is important because I can guarantee you he had the exact same mindset I've heard 5,000 times. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you need to know too. And I'm going to, I'm going to say this twice because when someone said it, it changed the way that I see you're either a part of someone else's plan or you're a part of their plan or you're a part of your own plan. Correct. So one more time, you're either a part of someone else's plan or your own plan. And as much as I did not want to have that conversation with him, I don't want to go through my entire life being a part of someone else's Mm -hmm. plan. And that's what it comes down to. So you have the hard conversation, right? So from my perspective, of course, and not, not that I handled it great. There is a million things I would go back and do. Basically, I was coming from, I had worked there for a couple of years. I was a dumb 20-something. Were you his, still a little bit immature? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was, how old was I? I was 28, 27, 28. I had come in it thinking this is going to go pretty hunky-dory. I did not in my right mind thinking of, I did know I wanted to protect what I had been working on and I wanted something in writing. From his perspective, the way that I worded it, um, it came across as I am owed this. It came across as I want you to give me something that you have worked to build without any of the back work of it too. And from his perspective as well, as like you need to work to earn it. Mm -hmm. And in my perspective, I had worked to earn it. It was two very different sides of the And neither one of you is wrong. No, neither is wrong. That's but, the important but, thing. When but, you have these conversations, yeah. and they don't go well. Don't go well. A lot of times, neither party's wrong. So here, yeah. here's where the here's where the tires ran off the road. Okay, here's where we went in the ditch. Again, guys, I've only seen this five thousand times. If I see it one more time, maybe I'll understand it. Avery's perspective was twenty-seven year old, probably pretty selfish person at that point in time. People that are in competitive bodybuilding tend to have that me it's all about me my looks that not making any assumptions we won't anything. we won't get into your psychology okay <laughs> yeah don't we're not gonna that. we're not gonna go there I, i'm not a licensed psychologist i can just you tell probably you, should be i i can just tell you what i know about people so avery's perspective is this because i've seen this so many times been here two years everybody tells me how great i am i feel like i've done a great job I'm putting premium on the books. I've done a great job. I deserve this. Okay. That's her perspective. Mm -hmm. We all have our perspectives. And at that point in time in her life, that was her perspective. Her uncle's perspective is some bitch. I've been here 30 years, 15, (laughs) 20 years. I see it in my own agency. I have people in my agency right now, today, that have been at my agency for two years, and I guarantee you one million percent in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I I deserve part of this agency. Been there two years. His perspective is, Avery, I love you. I I love you. You're my niece. You're going to need to put a little bit more time in in service before we sit down and start having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Avery, am I right or am I wrong? You you are right. Yeah, I I know I'm right. right. I know I'm right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but go ahead no i mean that that's exactly the thing and and it doesn't matter i think i could have spun it a million different ways i could have changed my tonality i could have done it but yeah. still 
it's a highly emotional thing to suddenly imagine and plan. Ours wasn't even necessarily planning for worst case scenario. Ours was planning for retirement. But to also have to think, hey, this might kick in in worst case scenario. No one likes to feel their mortality either. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a sucky conversation. Which is a weird mindset to have as an insurance agent who probably at one point sold life insurance. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, you know that about people. And my Scott, his famous line, and I've heard it for so many years with Avery, nothing's going to happen to me. Nothing's going to happen to me. He even, um, before he passed, he had said it about a month before we had figured out everything, which we'll get into a little bit, but that was it. In his mind, nothing was going to happen to him. And the flip side of family is like my experience with family. Everyone has different experiences, but my, my experience with family is my family has always taken care of me. My family always follows through on their word. I have an incredible family. And so for someone to say that, I'm like, okay, like he will take care of me. And that is true. Nothing's going to happen to him. And so you believe it too. Like, even though we're in insurance, even though we see the worst case scenario happen to other people, like it's not going to happen to me and everything's going to be fine because in our life, it had been pretty fairy tale. My whole entire life for my whole entire family, nothing had touched us. It just touched everyone else. Right. So this conversation didn't end. So that was 2017. It continued on for almost another five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 first day, you storming out of the office? No. Going home no, and being was, like, you're not going to believe this. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, I think I went and told my husband. And, of course, you're just venting as a safe space. And if you've ever met my husband, he's the kindest person. I think he probably says something along the lines of, oh, my gosh, Avery, I can't believe that. And years talking about it, he was like, no, Avery, I thought you were a little crazy. Like, <laughs> okay, fair enough, love. Yeah, I, I thought that's you. Good, I that's thought, a good spouse. I thought you were gonna yeah. say. I thought you were gonna say, being a good spouse, and hearing your perspective, right? Because again, we've all got our perspectives. Hearing your perspective, he was like, "Yeah, he ought to give you some of this agency." <laughs> what? Are, what's? What's? You need to go look for another job. You know that kind of thing. I thought that's what you were gonna say. There's some YouTube personality that had a relationship piece where he said. When your spouse comes home, whether it's male, female, it doesn't matter, and is venting to you about a problem they encountered that day, no matter how great or small, sure, you need to stop them and say, is this a problem you need me to solve or a problem you just need me to listen there, to? There, there is a personality yep. type out there, and I have a couple of these in my agency. They do not want you... Bradley, you know me. You're a problem solver. I'm going to jump on it. <laughs> I'm going to jump on it as fast as I can jump on it, and I'm going to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Step one, step two, step three, here's how we're going to solve it. Here's what we need to do. And that, sometimes you just need to get it out. There is a personality type out there, and I have one or two of these in my agency right now. They do not want you to solve the problem. They just want to vent to you. And when you try to jump in and solve the problem, the only purpose that you serve is to piss them off. (laughs) That's exactly it. And I'm that same exact kind of person. I don't need you to fix it for me. I will fix it myself. But what I do need sometimes is to listen. So, and all of that, I'm sure my whole family listened for five years of me crying. And eventually it did get fixed. Right. So in... So keep in mind, this is not this is not tomorrow or the day after that conversation. Sure. This is May of 2020. It started in 2017. Right. You have to keep bringing this conversation back up. Did this cause a riff 
to some degree between you and your uncle where there's this like unspoken energy between the two of you that was a little off because of the con- the initial conversation you had over over the next couple of years that's a great question and the answer is initially it did but we are very blessed in that i don't know what y'all call it i call it god god put people in his path and so he also had a business like coach that basically said who are the key people in your life and how do you keep them mm-hmm. and basically had that talk with them write that shit down and, people write that shit yeah. down Yep. And so on both sides, we had people working on us to get to the place that we needed to be. But it wasn't the versions of ourselves in 2017. Yeah. It was the version that we became in 2020 because of different people coaching us, building us, building us up so that we could get to that point to reach an agreement. You said something important, though. I, I have a friend that's in my head right now, still in a very similar situation. And what he has discovered after the initial conversation, which his initial conversation actually went okay in terms of there wasn't a big blow up. Now the owner deflected and it was real awkward. And his situation is he's just trying to to leave and take his book with him. He just wants to buy his book. Sure, sure. And the initial conversation went okay other than there were no results, but he's discovered he has to keep bringing it up. And I want you to, to stress that to everybody that you had to keep bringing this up. Regardless of how the owner felt about this, it's an awkward, uncomfortable conversation, let alone throwing in your mortality in there. So you've got to be the one to keep bringing this up in a very nice, approachable way. Yeah. And it wasn't like I brought it up once a year, like, here's the anniversary date of the first time we talked about it. It's time to bring it up again. (laughs) Or quarterly. It would be. Knock down, drag out. Avery, Avery, would it have been better for you from your perspective? Again, you were a bodybuilder, so you're very selfish. <laughs> Would it have been better for you to have dealt with somebody like a Scott? Here, here, here's the kind of thing Scott Howell would have done, okay? Not your Scott, Scott Howell. I'm so interested to hear this. I cannot wait. I, because I'm a fix it and move on down the road kind of guy, and maybe this would have been the wrong thing to do. After about the second time you brought it up or third time, so now probably a year later, if you kept – periodically once every six months bringing this conversation up about you having ownership in the agency i probably would have at some point sat down with a pen and paper and laid out for you your path your track to partnership sounds like you've done that before where i would have said all right i'm tired of having this conversation and i'm tired of this this energy that we kind of have between each other so here it is avery now you're at year three you're so worried about having ownership in this agency. Let's just, let's get right with the Lord on this, okay? So, Avery, at year number 10, we're going to value this agency. And I've talked to some people in the industry. And based on your performance and the fact that you're a family member and one day you're going to have this entire agency when I retire, at year number 10, I'm going to give you 10% of this agency. Not give you, but sell you. 10% of this agency. How does that make you feel, Avery? Would you have been happy at that point? I think any roadmap, because if you're a producer or a sales mindset, you already are pretty, like, at least most I know, you're goal-oriented, you want a path. 
Right. And so if I had a path to success, I would have loved that. And I'm also a pretty direct person. My uncle was very non-confrontational. Yep. So you can imagine me bringing things up that were confrontational. That was, that was, that's what I was thinking when Bradley was talking just a minute ago. There is another personality type. And I think this is more prevalent than we even know. A lot of people are non-confrontational, mm-hmm. which usually <laughs> leads to resentment building up until finally that not so big thing happens and they just completely fly well, off I'm the like handle. That. And you're like, what? All I did was not put my plate up. What are you talking about? I'm like that. My wife will tell you, I'm, I avoid the confrontation, avoid the confrontation, and then I'll just explode. Right. I've got three or four of those in my agency as yeah. well. Yeah. Go ahead, Avery. So I'm continue. Well, your, that's, yeah, that's what had been happening the whole time. And it would be stuff of like, I don't know what I, of course, my perspective is like, I don't feel like I deserve that. But like, you could tell there was frustration on the backside until it finally came to fruition, which we did end up getting a buy sell. We signed it in May of 2020. And the buy sell, again, going back to your family members and and I would do a million things different. My uncle went and got the buy sell. He got it from his family attorney. He is incredibly generous in the same terms that he had bought it from my grandpa, which was one and a half times the commission revenue. He was going to make us the same deal, which wow. for now, what we know that agencies sell for, oh, yeah. that's a heck of a deal. Scott and I know of an agency that, just to put it politely, daddy is screwing everybody. Yeah, You know that one I'm talking about? I do. It's it's the opposite of that. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And that's well, how it should be. But Carrie Wallace will tell you when you go down the list of private equity money, mm-hmm. right? That's probably going to get you your most right bang for your buck, right? If you sell out the to seven a, to 12 EBITDA you hear. Yeah, about. right, right, right. Huge, yeah. huge numbers. Then you drop and down. And like low end. Right, yeah. Oh, low end. Right. Yeah. Then you drop down to a agent selling to an agent. That's the next mm-hmm. tier down. And that's now usually what? Two and a half, three, maybe even three and a half. Depends if you're looking at EBITDA or revenue, but but yeah. Somewhere in that range. And then that next tier down below that is either selling to the employees, mm-hmm. somebody or multiple people in the agency or a family member. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That's you, Avery. Yeah, I mean, I had an agency owner the other day tell me he wanted 5X yeah. revenue, not EBITDA, revenue. Right. Yeah, revenue. Yeah. And I'm like, so one and a half, compare, when you compare it to that, I mean. Yeah, she got it at a very discounted rate. Well, cool. not, I wouldn't say discounted, yeah. but a good deal. Right. No, it's it's a good deal. And I sit here and acknowledge it. And also, it just it tells you a lot about the kind of person my Scott was. Right. He was generous and kind, and more than anything is, he wanted to keep the family legacy going. Right. That was his purpose when we finally got down to doing the buy-sell is what will make sure that he is financially set because it was going to be owner finance per the buy-sell. It was 4% interest over 15 years. It was his retirement plan, and it was going to be me and my cousin that were buying it. 50-50, and that's what it was. And we had a first right of refusal thrown in there too, but um, whenever it was given to me, and and I should say this too, my brother-in-law is a business attorney. He's incredibly great. I didn't even send it to him to look at it. I was so naive at the time because I looked at my uncle saying like, he knows what's best. He's going to guide it. Nothing's going to happen to him. And, and the buy-sell that we created was not so much meant for worst-case scenario, but it was more meant for retirement. Right. If you read the fine print of where the details actually mattered, it was for when he finally retired, mm-hmm. not in the event of death. And so we all signed it. 
um, his wife at the time was going to be like, if something did happen was the sole trustee. So she was in the room, Scott was in the room, the attorney was in the room and me and my cousin were in the room. We all signed it and we went on our merry way. And so it was that moment, at least at the very least, I had something on paper guaranteeing me a chance at something that meant the world to me and what I had worked very hard for over years. So life kind of took a twist. Not only were we all dealing with like COVID back then, but uh, in in September of 2021, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that was the first time cancer had ever touched us. And it was a bit of a roller coaster just doing that. She had a double mastectomy. I can happily say now today my mom is cancer free. Awesome. Um, but in the middle of that, it just sucked. I'm so close to my mom. And so we thought our whole family was like, man, this is as, this is as bad as it can get. And Bang. you should knock on wood any anytime you say that because it can get a lot worse. Yeah. Um, and so 2021 rolled around and um, in January 28th, I remember it still to this day, my uncle being a man, um, he came and we were doing our Monday morning breakfast. He said, this is really weird, Avery, but I've got blood in my urine. What do you think is happening? I was like, well, shit, I'm not a doctor. What do you think? And the first thing that comes to my head is like, oh no, what if it's, what if it's prostate cancer? Like that is like, that would be the worst case scenario in the world. And so kind of we're all like, you need to go get it checked. You need to go get it checked. And not thinking it would be even nearly as bad as what ended up coming. And so by that Friday, he had gotten a CAT scan and they found three tumors on his liver, three on his spleen, two on his lungs and six tumors in his brain, two of which were pushing on his frontal lobe. Mm. And, and basically when you hear that, he had always had skin cancer cells and he had one taken off in the spring of 2020. So about a year before this all started, an insurance didn't pay for a second CAT scan and they think that they didn't get it all. So like, here's my little preacher. If insurance doesn't pay for a second CAT scan and you're doing something to pay for yourself because it could have saved his life. We'll never know now. Did he jump on a plane and head down to MD Anderson in, in Houston? MD Anderson looked at his stuff because that's, of course, the first thought is go to MD Anderson. And they basically said, I'm sorry, there's no chance. Yeah. Uh, There's a place up in New York that they decided to go or look into. And they said, we're sorry, there's no chance. Right. And so that was um, on Saturday was whenever we had found out just where everything was. So we met for a Monday morning breakfast. It was the last Monday morning breakfast we would ever have. And that following afternoon, we told our staff, and I never saw him in person again. Before he left, though, I did sit down and basically say, hey, let's make a list. You're going to come back. Everything's going to be rating. I'll run the agency. It's going to be fine. And we made a list of everything that needed to be done for about a two-month time. And and in my heart, too, is like, okay, we're going to see a miracle happen here. They're going to save his life. And that's not what ended up happening. He died 28 days later. Hmm. Um, We got to FaceTime him once after his first brain surgery. But at that point, he was almost in a vegetable-like state. He wasn't there. And so at this time when I'm trying to keep my team, I have 14 team members looking at it going to – I'm grieving my uncle because at some point in the middle of this, you know what the story is going to be. And so you're just waiting for him to die, which sounds really, really numb. But like, you're just like, okay, it's going to happen. I would rather it just happen now, which is so selfish when you say it like that. But like, it hurts. But you have 14 families sitting there worried about how this is going to affect them. Let's just. 
Yeah. Say it like it is. And in the middle of it too, you're, you're even thinking like, Oh my God, like if, what if my team just quits? Like, what if mm-hmm. they don't have the faith in me to keep this going and they all quit? What am I going to do? Yeah. And you have all this thing, things going around. So we did some things. We went as a team and all together, we got to go say goodbye to him at hospice, which 10 out of 10 would, is one of the hardest things I would do. have ever done with my team, but like it was what you do. You just step up and do it. Um, and we had his funeral. The funeral was on Friday and the following week, it was about four days later, we went into negotiations with a lawyer. I would never recommend that. That is, it was the worst feeling of being like, I am so depleted from someone I loved dying. I am trying to keep this ship from crashing into an iceberg, but hey, let's go negotiate for the best terms of me. But this is what happens whenever the worst case scenario dies. So, and it's what happens too, whenever the plan is not very clear. Yeah. So you had it by sell. Why were you needing to negotiate? What was the deal with that? Um, that's a great question. So the um, the lawyer that came in and, and did something had looked at it and it was one of Scott's really good friends. And so I, the lawyer was representing ECI and he came in. I think he was there just to give a talk. I'll be really transparent. We were pretty on the defensive. We didn't know this attorney coming in to talk to everyone. He was going to address the staff. He was going to address us and we're already trying to go anything. So he came in and he said something very interesting, which was not in the buy sell. He said there needs to be a minority and there needs to be a majority ownership. And he said, I'm just going to highly encourage in this partnership that it go that way. That wasn't anywhere in the buy sell, but suddenly the door was open to where we started negotiating on that. Also in the buy sell, what we had to negotiate on was the way that the, um, purchase price i said it was one and a half times the commission revenue well what does that mean is that commissions is that contingency is that taxes is that any fees that you collect on everything Mm -hmm. and so for us it's a pretty big chunk if you're including our contingencies which i don't consider that commission is that included in it because i don't want to pay for something that i don't count on each year as revenue like i don't guarantee my profit sharing right and so we started basically fighting on all of that this is you and your cousin it was a threefold thing. So I had an attorney, my cousin had an attorney, and then my aunt, oh boy. who was the sole trustee of the business, had an attorney. Oh, boy. Yep. Here we um, go. So in all of this, too, I just want to acknowledge, like, this is this is my family at the end of the day, and there is nothing that I wouldn't do to get the relationship with my family back. But at the same time, I really would love people could learn from this yeah. so that they th- can have the conversations up front. So I'm going to try and be as tactful as possible, but there's a lot of pain there and they're still there. I can see when that. It um, se- and it seems with the perpetuation plans too, you have three types of agencies. You have people who are ignoring it and have their fingers in the in their ears, which is the worst thing you can do. Which is most agents. Which is most yeah. agents. You have people who think they have a perpetuation plan, which is what it sounds like you guys had. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who actually do it, which are the huge minority. Right. So you said something just a second ago that caught my attention. You said, there's nothing I wouldn't do to have that relationship back. Yeah. Does that mean that we ain't spending Thanksgivings and Christmases together anymore? No, we are not. And that is so painful because it is not what Scott would want. Yep. I also think it comes from conflict, which is why it's one of our agency's core values now. Because conflict and not being able to work through it is detrimental. Right. And Mm -hmm. you see that now. And I would never wish this on everyone because it caused a lot of hurt feelings. It caused a lot of bad blood. I had never heard this 
this phrase i'm sure other people had but my attorney he kept saying avery you know he said blood is thicker than water but it's not thicker than a dime mm. never in my life had i thought anything would come between yeah my family but it did we're dealing with all that stuff you have to take this agency over let's mm -hmm. go to the other side of it we've got about 15 minutes left yeah. you have to take this agency so over and you have to convince these 14 people and their families and your carriers to continue on and to some degree, it's got to be business as usual. How do you, what'd you do when you walked in the office that first day? Like, what was your, your first thing you did? <laughs> Juggling chainsaws now, folks. Exactly. That's exactly yep. what you're doing. Yep. That's the title That's of this episode. Like, Juggling chainsaws. So a little bit about the dynamics of our agency is I, at the time, was the second youngest in there. And these so you're are dealing with that too. That's a yep, hard so position to be in. Yep. Yep. And I've been their peer for 10 years. Some of these people have been working at our agency for oh, 20 gosh. years, which means that they saw me not in diapers, but they saw me at my worst, like through my teenage yeah. years. They know all my bad stories. They know. Are you on TikTok? It's not. Yeah. They course. saw you through the teenage dirtback years. Yeah. They saw me through, <laughs> and it was, I was a dirtback. If you're uh, familiar with that, that trend, yeah. that was not an insult. Yeah, That's a TikTok trend going around now, everybody. Yeah. It's that trend. For, um, for the, it, the three so people that. listening to this that aren't on TikTok. <laughs> So I had to do that. And so I had a ton of head trash going on, which yeah. I was sitting there being like, okay, sister, you just got to wake up. And I hate, I hate this because I think sometimes you've got to have more backing you than that. But it was one of those situations like, I'm just going to fake it till I make it. Yeah. I did not feel like getting out of bed. I was so sad. My husband would like find me at like 5 a.m. like bawling in bed. And he'd be like, it's time, baby, you got to get up. Well, I mean, taking I over an agency yeah. under... No matter the size of an agency, taking over an agency or a business, just in general, is like super stressful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But let alone all this other stuff. But I will say this if she had a buy sell agreement with Scott, they probably knew at some point she was going to take over. If they, there, knew, there was, if there they was a, knew about it, there was an understanding. Well, and plus, if I worked for an agency that had family members yeah. working there, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter the capacity my thought process would be, okay, well, I'm not taking this thing it's, over. They're taking it over. It's still tough, and I've done this, going from peer to boss. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. And it's even tougher when the person who becomes the boss is younger than everybody oh, else. Absolutely. absolutely. That, and that was it. Like, I was terrified. And, and ultimately, this tells you a ton about my team. It had started before that. So when Scott got sick, which it, it was about a month, I stepped up and I was running the agency. Luckily, I have a lot of team where it's not that, but I had stepped into a leadership position before that. And clear is kind when it comes to communication. And so I communicated very early on. There was a buy-sell. I am not going to leave y'all in the lurch. If it is within my power to take this agency, I promise I will continue to give you a job. I will continue to give you payroll. I made them that promise very early on if it was within my means. That's good. Which which adds a whole nother level to it because you're sitting there on the inside being like, oh my God, I have to figure out how to borrow money. Oh my God, I'm going to manage people. Like it's, it's all of that suddenly realizing what the weight mm -hmm. is on your shoulders. It felt very Atlas yeah. with the world. Not, not to be dramatic, but taking that and suddenly wondering, are they going to follow me? Yeah. Did they? They did. I didn't lose a single employee. That's awesome. That speaks to your character. Yeah. Hey, I got a question all these agents are out there listening right now want to know. You mentioned early on in this podcast, you said I had to go borrow millions of dollars. The hell did you go borrow mm -hmm. millions of dollars at? 
How'd you do that? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I went to the first bank and I had a really great business plan. Our agency was debt free. It was yeah. I was like, this is a great investment, y'all. Um, they told me not no, but they told me hell no. <laughs> I went to the second bank, no, bank three, four, five, six, no, wow. no, no, no. I made it to about eight regular banks and I had um, actually called InsureBank pretty early on in the in the conversation, but at that time my cousin was still gonna be a part of it. I ended up, in the long story, I ended up buying out his option and buying it out. And then I was going to purchase it myself 100%, which is what ended up happening. With InsureBank? Yep. So I did it with InsureBank. And I I wasn't going to call them. And my mom, who's the big eye, she called me one day and she said, Abra, I'm not calling you as your mom. I'm calling you as the big eye president. And I was like, well, I don't really care. Like, you're still my mom. And um, And she ended up being like, you need to call them. You're a great fit for it. And I called them, and they had the whole deal done in 30 days. Wow. 30 days. Wow. On behalf of Bradley Flowers and myself, InsureBank, we do have sponsorship opportunities available <laughs> for the calendar year 2023 if uh, your marketing department would like to uh, reach out to us. Anyway, I'm sorry, Avery. I just had to throw that in there. So, no, I will I will send this to them because they are huge proponents of anything within the independent channel, and this is a great resource too. So well, I appreciate you and saying And it's that. important with an industry like insurance – that the bank that you're dealing with understands the insurance industry. There's the problem. That's the, her first mistake was even trying to go to say a local first yeah. national bank or a regions right. or a, you might as well go drive your car off into the Gulf of or Mexico. Go to, go to a, you'd have a better shot going to pawn shop. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. You might as well just go to Larry's Pistol and Pawn and try to get, buy, borrow two and a half million dollars. Guys, if this ever happens to you, please don't go to your local community bank and think they're going to be able to handle this. So, Avery. They don't understand it. They don't understand the business model. They don't understand the the, the ins and outs. You're going to have to go to a Westfield. Is that in that one of them? Westfield Westfield does it. Westfield and Surebank. Live Oak is another one. Live Oak's another one. Sponsorship opportunities available for 2023, so, guys, if you guys want to bid on that. But go ahead. So, Avery, in closing, you know, Grant Cardone talks about when you read a book, there's try to pick up one thing. You know, so many people try to take the fire hose of information. Really, you need one thing. You're looking for one good thing. So so what's the the one thing you want agents to take away from this story? I think it's what I said earlier. You're either a part of someone else's plan or your own plan. Mm-hmm. And so if you're the kind of person that you want to be in charge of it, there are people that want to play in a safe space and that is completely okay. I don't want that. I want to be in charge of my future and my destiny and wherever I take my life, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to do it on my own terms. And I think there's other people out there that are the same way, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter what it is. got to carve that path. Avery, before we go, I had one question I wrote down for you before we started this podcast. It's a very selfish question, but it might be able to help a lot of insurance agents out there completely off topic from what we've been discussing. I wrote down the question because I've got a CSR in my agency right now. Who's a very good person who does a good job for us, but she's very inexperienced and I need to get her some training. She just hasn't been in the insurance world for that long. And what we do in our agency is very complicated from time to time. Our particular niche where if you were Scott Howell and you wanted to get a CSR account manager trained up, 
needed to ha- get get them some more just insurance training, where would you recommend me going to do that? Yeah, there's two places. I don't know about Alabama, but not even a plug because obviously we're incestuous and my mom's run it. But the association, what we've built here from like beginning from soft skill stuff has all um, a ton of resources on that. And so I would send her to all the association classes and get them to start with the CISR ones. There's a lot of free resources with like the companies too. The second one actually, and I feel like this has helped some of my team level up is um, it's called my network, but it's basically um, tables that they'll do with, it tends to be women that are in the same group. And they can go and they ask questions. It has growth and development mixed into it, but it also gives you a resource level where you can reach out and ask them stuff. And so now owning the agency, especially from the female side, I have it with like the people that are in mind to where I can call them being like, hey, what have you done on the 980 schedule? Like, what are you doing on commission revenues? And like nothing is secret because we're not competitors on that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would plug my network table all day for that resource. And that's the name of it, my network table? Yeah, it's called My Network. My, and that's online I could go to? Yep. Have you ever used Total CSR? Well, it's so funny you say that. We're looking at it right now. Okay. So I want to end this podcast. I can tell this podcast is taking a little bit of a toll on you emotionally today. You mm. look like you need to go home and take a nap, like you just got out of a <laughs> therapy session. And I apologize for that. I apologize for no, that. That's not, this was fun. that's not our intent, but at the same time, as painful as it is to kind of pull some of these scabs off for you, you've you, what you've done is helped some other agents. And I'll tell you what I took away from this, Bradley Flowers, before we get off the show. It's one thing to have a buy-sell agreement, and that's great, and that's fine, and that's dandy. But, buddy, you better have something airtight. Mm-hmm. Because you'll see where, you have a worst case scenario where the train the ran where the train ran off the tracks for her is it sounds to me like his family attorney, Scott's family attorney, drew up something that at the time satisfied her, but was not as detail oriented as it probably needed to be in the event of a catastrophe, which we had happen, right? And so my takeaway from it is if you're going to do it and you're going to do a buy-sell agreement, better be airtight, better be very well documented and laid out so that you don't have a situation that's happened to Avery that will affect her for the rest of her life. Yep. And that is unfortunate for her. It's unfortunate for her family. And if her family does happen to somehow, some way, listen to this, I'm going to tell you something, guys. It ain't worth it. Yep. Love each other up. I mean, if Scott taught us anything, it's life is short. Mm-hmm. I wish that he could have been on this podcast in the hospital to talk about regret and things he could have done differently. God, if you had it to do over again, how long would you have stayed with the agency? <laughs> because I guarantee you, I would bet my next 100 paychecks – he would have said I'd have stepped back sooner and enjoyed life a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Right? Something I talk about on here all the time. Yep. January 1st, 2032, Scott Howell's walking away. Yeah. I ain't doing this shit. I'm not doing this shit till I'm 70 years old yeah. and have blood in my urine and I'm dead three weeks later. Now, if y'all want to go do that, have the hell at it. Yeah. Scott's not doing that. I am going to enjoy the fourth quarter before it's all over with. Well, we all know, every one of us knows the story of an agent that seemingly – 
Got two right now. Died in their office. Yeah, everybody knows got that it. agent that's like, I'm running it into the ground, whether they did that intentionally or not. And do you really want to be that person? Would they want to be that person if they had to over, you know, do it again? My mentor, Ricky Sims, Hamilton, Alabama, been an independent agent. Well, his business partner was the damn vice president of the Big Eye for like uh, uh, Seeger. Bill Seeger. Bill yeah. Seeger. Goes to the doctor, got throat cancer, got to go to MD Anderson, sells the agency a year later, sold it last year to one of these big marsh hubs, somebody like yeah. that. My friend, Bill Hembry, Douglasville, Georgia, 16-hour surgery at MD Anderson, cut his entire stomach open and poured, poured whatever that shit is they pour in you that the, usually you take through a, in, intravenously, uh, the cancer treatment. 16-hour surgery. 16-hour surgery. So, anyway, I'll leave you with that. Avery, thank you so much for being on here today. Thanks, guys. We Thanks love you. for having me. Thank, thank you. you for thank you for being on here. Go home and take a nap. You need it. <laughs> I need it. When I when I was in marriage counseling therapy for about a year before I got divorced, I would literally when I walked out, I said, "I need to go home and take a nap." Yeah, that's how that's how emotional it would get, and so I get that. Mm-hmm. But guys, as I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big bad world. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there. Go make money for them today. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Avery. Thanks, y'all. Avery, we love you very much. If you ever need anything, I'm a phone call away, okay? Appreciate that. We'll call you. Yes, ma'am. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.